Now back to the Matt Mosley Show on ESPN Central Texas. Now here again is Matt Mosley. It is Matt Mosley, the Matt Mosley Show, and joined now by Chuck Cooperstein, the voice of the Dallas Mavericks. Chuck, I saw you out to Byron Nelson the other day. Looked like you were having a good time making your way around the course. Now, so were you? you? See, yeah. So. Oh, it was. <laughs> I, I'm good, man. It's good to have you. Are you? Uh, were you out there, kind of monitoring Scheffler? Who are you? Uh, now, I've known you in the past to kind of uh, set up shop and let the golfers come to you. But when I saw no, you, a, you I'm were a, you I'm were on walker. the move. I'm you a, like I'm to get walker. out there and I, I, okay. I, I'm I'm gen, generally not now. When I went to the Masters a few years ago, I, I walked the course and then decided to set up shop somewhere, and that happened to be the ride of the 16th hole. But generally, generally speaking, I'm a walker. I'll pick up I'll pick a group and uh, and go with them. And uh, my son was out there, so uh, I met up with him around the fourth hole, which was Scheffler's 13th hole, and uh, and walked in from there. Okay, that's what you were. That's what you were doing. Uh, my daughter and I were out there doing our thing, and I was going the opposite direction. But uh, Scheffler, at least on that day, finished strong, and that was good for the tournament and good for Scheffler going to the PGA Championship for him to be in the mix uh, and finish what three? I think three shots off the lead. Uh, so a top five finish for Scheffler. Wasn't that cool to see Jason Day, someone, uh, Coop, who, you know, five to seven years ago, there was one point, I mean, he was as hot as anybody in the game. Incredible player, and he's fallen off in the past few years. To see him win it, um, I thought that was great for the tournament, and obviously uh, I just think great for the sport to see somebody come back and, and do something like that. Well, you know, it's funny. We always talk about, you know, quality of field, right? You know, at the, be- at the beginning of the week. Yes. Um, and, and the Nelson field was, was not, uh, quote, unquote, a particularly strong field. And especially when Jordan Spieth had to pull out, it didn't help matters. But they wound up with a pretty darn good leaderboard. You know, they, they had Scheffler and they had Jason Day and they had Ryan Palmer, you know, so they had, you know, they had the local interest taken care of. And, you know, people, you had people that uh, you would had heard of. And frankly, there were a bunch of people there that I had never heard of, uh, you know, Norman and uh, Norman with two R's and two N's. Uh, <laughs> and and, and I'll say I had never heard, never heard of him. Marty Doe, you know, never had heard of him, you know, never knew that he was, he lived five minutes from the Craig Ranch course and practices there you know and it just goes to show it really does and and you see it every year you know with the u.s open qualifying how many play people really do know how to play this game at a really high level you know so that when you and i go out there matt you we not that we needed any confirmation but we absolutely know that we're just hacking it around yeah, I got the Wildcat Classic coming up soon. Uh, raise money for Lake Highlands High School. I plan on going low, okay? So, okay, I hear you. <laughs> now, what about, by the way, Oak Hill? Knowing that, um, uh, you know, where where you grew up, and I'm just thinking about that being, I guess, what, Rochester, um, New York. What about, uh, what about where this PGA uh, championship is being held? Have you, um, have you been there before? I've never played it. 
you know, Rochester's close to Buffalo and, and upstate New York is, is really the 50, it's, it's the 51st state. It's not really New York. It's not, it's something entirely different. Uh, but you know, it's one of the classic courses in America. Uh, you know, Donald Ross design, uh, it's been redone since the PGA was last there in 2013, and they've taken it back. As we're seeing with a lot of the classic courses around the country, uh, you know, they're they're going back to the original blueprints. And from what everybody is saying, it is really hard, like really hard, like you, you know, bad U.S. Open hard, which actually comes as a surprise to me because Kerry Haig, who uh, is the guy who sets up the the course for the PGA of America. He's regarded as, as the best course set of guy in the world. And he is definitely from the school of we are not here to penalize people. We are not here to kill them. We are here to uh, reward them if they hit great shots and penalize them if they hit bad ones, but not to make it over the top. Uh, I'm hearing a lot of, you know, U.S., you know, basically when Curtis Strange won the Open there, uh, in uh, what it was at uh, 89 uh, when he defended his title there, you know, and, and it was uh, the winning score was right around. It was over par, I believe, that year. And I, I wouldn't be surprised. Again, the, the weather is it's cold there right now. Uh, they're going to be uncomfortable at least for a couple of days. Uh, I would be very, very surprised if uh, you you have anybody really going low there. Uh, I, if I, I think something like four under could really well win this tournament, which is very un PGA like where they're more in the, you know, the eight to 10 to 11 under uh, grouping of, uh, of winning scores. Man, I cannot, I cannot wait to watch. Uh, I was bummed that Spieth had to pull out of the Nelson. Of course, he'll be in the mix. There's, there's news on Rory. The fact that he's not talking about live all of a sudden. Now that's making uh, news. Chuck Cooperstein, Joining us on the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas, a man for all seasons. Now, what was your reaction when you saw the Mavs? You know, you see that what 11 through 15 was going to be, and the Mavs were 10. I mean, mine was, hey, <laughs> this, is, this is pretty good news. I know you could have wished for better news and the ultimate news, which I think they had like a 3% chance of. But, I mean, my thought is, Mavs fans had to feel pretty good about the way things turned out. What was your immediate reaction to Mavs picking 10th and, of course, getting to uh, to keep their pick? Well, like you said, at least when 11 turned over, the Mavericks logo was not there. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, that would have been just the worst on top of the worst. Uh, but, look, you know, I mean, who knows what they're going to do with it? I mean, obviously, they're – you know, they're in a unique situation where they really do have to find a way to find people who can play immediately. And there are very few players in this draft uh, that at least give off the vibe of really being able to play immediately and play immediately for a good team. And again, now, again, by the end of last year, the Mavericks weren't a good team. Uh, but the Mavericks believe themselves to be a good team, and they obviously have a superstar and maybe two superstars of Kyrie Resigns. Um, so, you know, their goal is, okay, is the player that is available to us at 10, can we expect him to be a rotational player for us this year? If he is not, then I think it is incumbent on them to wind up trying to trade that pick and try to find somebody who is. 
because the, the clock is definitely ticking. If you, if you think about the likely contract that Kyrie would get to re-sign with the Mavericks, um, it probably would be three years with a, with a two-year, you know, an opt-out after two. And Luca has four years left on his deal with an opt-out after three. Uh, but basically, you're talking on a, a on a pretty quick timeline here. Uh, you know, they pretty much have to get it done within two years because if even you know with, with Kyrie's situation, that that's one thing. You know, Luca might have the extra year, but Luca and Bill Duffy could go to the Mavericks at any point in the next two years if things aren't going well and say, "Hey, I want out of here," and they're gonna have to find a way to get him out of here. So, I mean, I, I think Luca, I, I think Luca wants to stay. I really do. Uh, but the Mavericks have to show him, and then he has to show them, you know, that he is really committed to doing it right, you know, by you know cl- cleaning up the uh, uh, the complaining to the officials and getting himself into the best possible shape and staying in the best possible shape that he can stay in and and continuing to improve on his game. I mean, it's you know a lot of people like to look at this as a one way street. You know, the Mavericks have to do everything for Luca. But Luca really has to help the Mavericks out here too. So it's it's fascinating to see what's going to happen, Matt. But the bottom line is the Mavericks have to find in this offseason as many people as they can who they know when they start the season in mid-October are going to be on the floor and going to be rotational pieces for them. When you saw the final four teams, did you just immediately in your mind go, San Antonio's going to get this? Absolutely. There was no, there was no, there was absolutely no question in my mind that they were going to, that it was going to go down that way. You know, again, just as the Mavericks lottery history is the worst ever, ever that no team has had more cracks at the lottery than the Mavericks without moving up. None. I mean, they've eight times now they've, they've uh, either, they've uh, stayed the same and not, or nine times they've moved back or, or, or the opposite. But the bottom line is they've never moved up in 17 times. You know, Minnesota previously had the record. Uh, and then, you know, they, they won with Anthony Edwards a couple of years ago. Uh, but San Antonio, San Antonio has been in the lottery seven times. They've got the number one pick three times. <laughs> come on man i mean really I mean, you you had to know and that now means popovich is going to coach until he's 85 you know that's going to happen too <laughs> and and victor we know he's going there i mean the comparison with him sometimes is duncan now you know mainly just on size and some of the things he can do duncan some of the numbers that duncan had from a block standpoint and all, but this the Victor, Victor is something in some sense we've never seen. A player no, of seven is, three, this, seven four. Yeah, this is Kevin Durant. This is a, this is a seven four Kevin Durant. If Kevin Durant is really about seven feet tall, even though he never will allow himself to be called a seven footer. I mean, <laughs> th- th- this guy is he really he's Ralph Sampson. Before Ralph Sampson was, you know, and, and Ralph Sampson, remember, was never allowed to shoot. I mean, you know, they weren't, the three-point shot wasn't developed, yeah. and they weren't talking about stretch fives and things like that when Ralph was playing. But Ralph was dominant. He was absolutely dominant, and obviously he got hurt, and, and his career was cut short. But, I mean, he, he handles it like he handles it like Durant. He's got an incredible high-release point. I mean, he's tall enough as it is, and then when he puts the ball up, I mean, there's no way you're going to block a shot. 
and he's he's got it. He's got an incredible handle. I mean, he's got a handle like a guard, and he's got uh, you know defensive instincts like a, a true center with rim protection and and shot blocking and all the things that go along with that. And he's going to be expertly coached. You know, he's going to be expertly coached, and that means that the uh, the three year dive of the Spurs uh, is officially over. I mean, you know, they're. <laughs> They're, they're, you know, I think it would be, I think it would be very disappointing, quite frankly, if they weren't at least in the play-in next year, and maybe even in the top eight. And who does he play with? Baylor's own Jeremy Sohan, who really yep. started to break out this season, um, and and they have some other young players, you know, who can yeah. score. It no, was already you know, absolutely. I mean, Devin, but Devin Vassell is a really good player. He's a really good player. I mean, just a, cl- a classic three and D guy. You know, Zach Collins really came on for them uh, in the second half of of last year. He, he, for the first time in seemingly five years, he's healthy, and he and he was really good for them. And actually, I could I could see Collins and Wembenyama starting together, and where they're just playing super big, and and Wembenyama actually playing the four as opposed to the five. Um, they, they, they've got some players and, you know, I, I love the Branham kid, uh, from Ohio state. Um, you know, I think that, uh, Blake Wesley probably has a little work to do. I mean, he's, he's just incredibly raw, but he's really athletic. I mean, I think Popovich, as much as he didn't want to lose 60 games last year, you know, I think he had a really good time coaching those players and, and coaching them to be professional. And I think he's going to, know feel the same way about Wembenyama but obviously there is a lot more pressure because Wembenyama is, is so far advanced and and what, what I think is going to be really interesting Matt even before we get to uh the beginning of training camp and uh, the start of the NBA season Wembenyama is going to play for France in the World Cup this summer <laughs> and the the World Cup is it's it is absolutely going to be loaded with NBA players I mean with high quality NBA players and so we're going to get a, an early look at him and how he matches up with uh, with a lot of the best players in the world, uh, even before we get to training camp. You think he's a, in his rookie season, is a potential, I mean, like 20 points per game? Is that going too high? Or, um, I mean, obviously he's no, got I don't, some... I, don't, I don't think it's too high. I mean, especially okay. given, given the way the game is today and given how wide open the game is, uh, you know his ability to shoot and stretch the floor, uh, his ability to handle it. Uh, he's good. He's an excellent free throw shooter. I mean, I, I I don't see in today's game, and and especially since they don't really have uh, the dominant point guard who's going to have the ball in his hands all the time. I think they're going to find a way to get him the ball. Uh, that uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he averaged twenty a game. All right, Lakers Nuggets. Lakers fought back in that game. Did that mean anything to you? We've seen that in NBA games before. Team getting blown out. They come back. They didn't quite get it done. They did cut it to three. But um, and and you wonder, well, did they find an answer with with with, with what they did to Jokic? He obviously did not have a good fourth quarter after being unbelievable for the first three quarters. You read anything into that comeback? Uh, and or do you think the uh, Nuggets? You like the Nuggets' chances pretty well in this series? I think it's a seven-game series. And thought you know thought so before last night. I, I, I was shocked at how lethargic the Lakers looked in the first half, and who knows? Maybe some of that is just you know coming into Denver to play and getting used to playing in Denver and at altitude. And 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 the Nuggets are a great offensive team. I mean, they you know no nobody really talks a lot about them. 
know, save maybe even for Jokic. But, you know, they, they were a great offensive team all year. I mean, to the point where I mean, they were they were in the, the Doug Moe era um, nuggets as far as uh, offensive efficiency was concerned, their ability to score points. Uh, but I, I do think the Lakers found something now. You know, again, let's see what, what Denver does as a counter to that. I mean, isn't that the beauty of the playoffs? I mean, there's always counters and, and counter counters, you know, if, that you go to. And, and maybe Darvin Ham figured that he was going to have to do what he did with Hachimura at some point in the series. He didn't think maybe he'd have to do it in the third quarter of game one. Uh, but it, it definitely worked. And Hachimura's been great in the playoffs. I mean, you know, where, where has this been? you know, for the last three and a half years in Washington. I mean, it's, it's, it's not been there, but ever since he got to LA, he's been really good and he's been exceptional here in the playoffs. Um, but I, I, I like the Lakers grit and look, you know, we, we saw what the Lakers did to the Mavericks, you know, the Lakers down 27 of the Mavericks and rallied to win. Uh, they had, they had some monster comebacks this year and they don't give up and they do still have when he is healthy, one of the greatest players in the league in Anthony Davis. And, you know, it's not like Denver did a whole lot to slow him down last night. So um, I I think uh, all Denver really accomplished last night was win at home. Um, You know, as we always say, the the series doesn't really start until the the visiting team wins a game. And uh, so nothing has really changed in that regard. Uh, I I think this is going to be a long series. Um, I mean, Jokic is going to be great. I know he's going to be great. I know Anthony Davis is going to be great. LeBron was really good last night, frankly, until the last minute. Uh, He he made a couple of terrible plays in the last minute. Uh, The the three-point shot that he took uh, with them down three, um, they could have gotten that shot at any time later in the possession. And frankly, given that LeBron is so inconsistent as a three-point shooter, he's probably not the guy I wanted shooting three. I'd rather have Austin Reeves shoot that three than, than have LeBron shoot that three. Um, so there was a little hero ball going on there. And then, you know, the drive into the lane late in the game. And, uh, you know, he, he got knocked away by Jamal Murray. And the, the Lakers just stopped playing and let the clock run down. So there were a couple of bad decisions there by LeBron uh, that better if better decisions are made, you know, maybe it's a different outcome, and we're talking about one of the great comebacks in uh, you know in NBA playoff history. So uh, there, there's a lot to there's a lot that's going on in that series. I think there's going to be a lot going on in the Nugget in the uh, Celtics Heat series. You know, I think the NBA is really lucky. I think they they're going to have two very very compelling conference finals. Yeah, if, if John Morant would stop brandishing guns, that would that would help too. Uh, <laughs> You know, bringing that up. And by the way, Austin Reeves, I love that. Think about it. If a year ago, you would have said, I would rather have Austin Reeves taking that uh, last-minute shot than LeBron James. But, I mean, well, I get it. I get it. But it's just funny to, to think about. Well, the, the, the thing is, even last year as a rookie, I saw it against the Mavericks. Uh, Russell Westbrook found him at overtime for, for a three-pointer that, that won the game uh, in the American Airlines Center, Center in, in December of uh, 2021. So, I mean, he, he'll Billy Kobe has had it in him, uh, but his, his, his emergence, his emergence really in, in the second half of the season, really since January 1st has been, uh, it, it's been one of the really, I think, undertold stories, you know, the NBA loves to focus in on stars and, you know, I guess, you know, that that's how they get clicks and it's how they get ratings and what have you. But, the, you know, you've got to win uh, with player development. And, uh, you know, what they've done with an undrafted free agent like Reeves, you know, who's going to be on the floor and be a really important part of their 
they're winning uh, in crunch time is is one of the really uh, undertold stories, I think, of this season. Who is playing Doug Moe's team a seat? Who is Issel and who is Alex English on the uh, <laughs> on the Nuggets last night? Well, uh, well, Jokic, See, Michael Porter Jr. Well, 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 Jokic plays Issel. Yes. Uh, yeah, Mike, uh, but Jokic is obviously better than this. Even as great as Dan Issel was, uh, the kids, look him up. He, he was he was fantastic. Uh, yeah, but my, Michael Porter is, you know, Michael Porter doesn't take many shots. Now, you know, I mean, Michael, some I was somebody I was uh, seeing he was saying that, you know, Michael Porter never passes the ball. And I said, well, you know, if Michael, if, if you shot like Michael Porter does, you wouldn't pass the ball either the way he shoots it. I mean, he looks like Kevin Durant when he gets rid of it. I mean, it's, it's just uncanny. Um, they're, they're low. I'm, tr- I'm trying to think like who is, you know, who's fat lever and who's Mike Evans, Murray, you know? Jamal Murray, maybe. <laughs> right, yeah. Right. You know? yeah. So uh, they're, they're in, they're really good. And, you know, I think for a long time, you know, they've been good, but we've all been saying, but, Right, they're, they're, that there's you're looking at them, saying, yeah, they're yeah, they're good, but, and uh, I think you know after the way they took out Phoenix in the last round, uh, and yeah, at, by game six, Phoenix was extraordinarily shorthanded, but uh, the four games they won, they just crushed them. Uh, you know, you're looking at them and you think, you know, they're really good. They are really good, and they're legit. And uh, you know, if if they do go on and beat the Lakers and you know win an NBA championship. Uh, you will not look at them as somehow unworthy champions. They're really good, and they've been good for a while. All right, that was Clarence E. Hill, by the way, who was remarking about Michael Porter Jr. And <laughs> do not get involved in any basketball discussion with Clarence. If he's talking about the Cowboys, he's he's on firm ground. NBA is not his domain, even though he thinks it is, and it's mainly based on hatred of the Lakers. Is yes, his only fake, that's kind of his only card to play. Fake show, fake show dead. Fake show dead. <laughs> Which, I mean, it is it is pretty funny. It, it is. It's pretty funny. It's pretty entertaining. But uh, you know, I, it, the, the Lakers aren't incredible. They're they're an incredible story. Uh, you know, even as you know, the, the glamour team of the league, they're you know what they've been able to to do and turn it on. I mean, and, and I'm thinking, you know, back to St. Patrick's Day night. When they blew game to the Mavericks, when they gave up six points to Maxi Kleba in the last 6.7 seconds uh, to lose by one, and looked at that team that night, yeah, you know they're playing better, but uh, come on, man, you can't take them seriously. You know, as no. any kind of real, kind of real contender, and and here they are, <laughs> and, and they're a real contender. Absolutely, love playoff time and uh, love getting to catch up with you and then we'll enjoy this major championship golf uh, over the next four days it, it is going to be so much fun uh, uh appreciate it and uh, i'll talk to you soon thanks for having me matt take care you bet there he is chuck cooperstein voice of the dallas mavs and 